Praise God. How is everyone this morning? Good. Well, if you're visiting with us for the first time, we would love to get your contact information. Uh, there are contact cards in the front of the, the seat. And uh, if you don't care to fill one of those out, that helps us to just be able to uh, keep in touch with you, let you know what's going on in this house. If you want to be plugged into a life group or uh, want to know what the extras that are going on, like the Valentine's thing, we would love to be able to connect with you. So if you fill one of those out, just hand it to one of our ushers and they would be happy to take care of that with you. And uh, we're excited to have you this morning. If it's your first time, welcome. And uh, this morning, I want to get into a, a new series that we're going to be going through and it has to do with wisdom with wisdom so prepare yourself over the next couple of weeks uh, we're going to be talking about wisdom but before we do that I'd like for you to just put your hand on your heart and I want you to just say this with me father this morning I pray that you give me wisdom not just an earthly wisdom but a heavenly wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Bible says in James that God doesn't withhold wisdom, that he will give to anyone who asks without doubting. So if they ask and they do not doubt, then God gives us wisdom. He will lead us with his still small voice, and he will guide us. And so I want to talk a little bit about wisdom because wisdom is, is you know, I think sometimes people think wisdom, that sounds like a boring topic, <laughs> but in actuality, or they think wisdom, that's old people with silver hair. Or, you know, they think wisdom like some, some crazy, uh, you know, what's that, what's that, that, that crazy monkey on Lion King? Yeah, was he like the, the wisdom guy or something? <laughs> anyway, they think wisdom, they think, oh, somebody that says wise sayings, somebody that comes out with like these little witty things. But wisdom goes deeper. There is a heavenly wisdom that man can access if they are connected with God. And every problem in life, get this, every problem in life can be overcome through the access of wisdom. Every problem that we face in life is a wisdom issue. It can be solved through wisdom. We oftentimes find ourselves uh, facing issues and we're like, why am I not getting through this? Why is this not working out? It's a wisdom thing. If we don't have the wisdom to know how to overcome or how to apply, let me, let me put it like this. We all know how to fill up a car with gas, right? Okay. Well, if you, if a person doesn't, let's say they, they come from horse and buggy days they've never they've never been in a car they don't know how to run a car and they're you know somebody says oh you can use my car so they're driving this car but then all of a sudden they see this little light pop up and and it's low gas you only have so many miles left and so now they're like oh well I only have so many miles left this thing says no gas what do I do well now they've got a dilemma even though it's very easily solved but if they don't have the wisdom and the knowledge on how to solve that problem, then they will, they'll find themselves in a, in a ditch beside the, in, you know, the road and not be able to overcome that simple issue because they lacked wisdom. They lacked the understanding. 
So if you have someone, even if they're driving that car and they say, oh, yeah, I know, I know about gas stations. I know that, that you stop there and you, you get gas, but I don't know how to get it in my car. They don't have the understanding. And so they're driving their car and they pull in to this gas station because that's what everybody calls these things, these gas stations. And they pull in, but they, and they pull in beside the pump and, they, and then they take the pump and they, they stick it, you know, they roll their window down, they stick it in their window and fill their car up with gas. Well, I filled my car up with gas, but it didn't work. It didn't help. Again, lacking understanding, right, on how this concept works. We can sometimes have knowledge of something, but not have the wisdom to know how to understand or apply it. So we're going to get into this topic of wisdom, and I pray that as we go through it, it's going to make sense to you as we go on. And I want you to gain the benefits and the understanding of why we need wisdom in our life. So let's turn to Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 7 and 8. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and in all of your getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. Hallelujah. This talks about wisdom being the supreme thing, wisdom being the choice thing, wisdom being the most desired thing, although many, many people do not desire wisdom. There are many people that shun wisdom because the world would not be in such a mess if we all desired wisdom, right? If we all applied wisdom. But see, the thing is, most people want to go their own way and they don't want to apply wisdom in their life. And just like I said, uh, let's go through these three things, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom, because I want you to understand the difference between them. What is knowledge? Knowledge is to have information. You have the information, the facts of something. So I might have the information, just like I said, that's a gas station. I understand that I'm supposed to stop there and get gas. But understanding, understanding is the analyzation or the comprehension of that knowledge. So I can know something but not understand how it works. You see what I'm saying? The best example I can give is, uh, sometimes I use the example of me being in algebra class years ago, because math was not my thing. And I did not understand why they had math concepts that had letters in them. And there was like 2A plus B plus C equals 42. And you're supposed to solve A and C. And I didn't understand why are there letters in the formula? Why are there letters in this math problem? I couldn't even get past that. It didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But I'm supposed to solve for A. And what does that mean? And how am I going to use this in life? You know, what's this got to pertain to, to life? And so then I would work my way through. I would follow the formula that my math teacher would put up there, do this, do that. and do. So I finally figured out, okay, here's the formula. Here's the formula to follow, but I still didn't understand what in the world I was doing. 
I didn't understand why I needed this, and I didn't understand how it was useful. It's just like the formula for volume, length times width times height equals volume. Okay, I can do that, but how do I apply that in life? I can, I can take length times width times height and get volume, but what is volume for? Okay, well, if you're going to fill up a pool and you need to know how many gallons of water, I need to know the volume in order to know how many gallons of water. Oh, that's wisdom. I know how to apply it now. So wisdom is application. Being able to take the knowledge, the understanding, and then be able to apply it in life. Wisdom is the application. Is this going too deep? You guys with me? Okay. So knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, and wisdom is application. Because if we just lump them all together and think they're all the same thing, they're really not. And many times, even in Christian circles, even in churches, there can be many people that say, yes, I'm a Christian, but they're not applying the word of God in their life. And therefore, their life doesn't look much different than anybody else. God says that we're supposed to shine like the stars. He says that we're supposed to shine greater and greater until that coming day. And we're supposed to be the light on the hill, right? We're supposed to be the thing that people are drawn to because we have answers. But if the church does not apply the word of God in their life, they're not going to look any different. I mean, you look at marriages today. 50% of marriages in the church are not lasting. Why? Because it's a wisdom issue. Because if we truly get the word of God, what it says around marriage, then we will have successful marriages. But people choose to walk their own way and outside of the will of God, and so then, therefore, they don't look any different. So we've got to have wisdom to excel in our life. You follow? Okay. So... Wisdom, now that I've gone through like the three different types, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Wisdom is the application. It's the principal thing. It's the foundation. It's the first thing that we've got to have. It's the choicest. It, that's why the Bible says that we're supposed to go after it with everything that's in us. That we're supposed to treat this as greater than silver and gold. Because in the hand of wisdom is also wealth and riches and long life. So all the things that men desire come packaged in wisdom. Whenever we desire wisdom, when we go after wisdom, all the things that we would want are actually held in wisdom. Well, where is wisdom rooted? Where do you find wisdom? In the word of God. It's found in the word of God. Because God has his own principles. He has his own laws. And if you think about the kingdom of God, because I've talked about that before, the kingdom of God, because God's kingdom is higher than any other kingdom. We have nations around this world. We have countries, but they all have their own laws, right? They all have their own principles that they follow. And if you are not knowledgeable of those principles, you can go to another country and possibly get thrown in jail because you're not aware of their laws. Now, someone that's born and raised in that country, they're not going to have a problem because they're going to understand these are the laws of the country. But it's someone that just comes there, their chances are not as high because they don't know the laws. They don't know the principles of that country. 
In fact, I can't remember which man of God it was, but he, he went to a country he went to go evangelize, and he was waiting on a bus to come pick him up, and he's standing there, and he starts whistling. And he's just whistling his favorite hymn, and then the guy just beside him from that country just keeps looking at him. And he's, like, giving them, you know, this stink eye look, like, what are you doing? And finally he goes up to him and he says, you know, y- you shouldn't whistle here. Don't go to your meeting and whistle. People won't listen to a thing that you say. They'll disregard everything that you say because whistling is considered rude in this country. Okay, I probably better not whistle <laughs> because the people are not going to receive me and they're not going to receive anything I say. He didn't know that. Whistling was a normal thing here. So if we don't understand the laws and the precepts of God's kingdom, then his principles, his benefits, his blessing won't chase us down. But if we do, then the blessing of God chases us down. That's the great thing about it. Because if we follow his law, his precepts, his statutes, his principles, then we can walk confidently and secure in the word of God, knowing that his blessing will chase us down. Hallelujah. And that's where our confidence lies. Our confidence lies in his word, knowing that, Lord, your word says, and and you can't go against your word. And if I apply this in my life and I stand on it, then the blessing of God is going to come through and I don't have to worry about it. Hallelujah. <clears throat> All right, let's, let's talk about um, a few people that operated in wisdom in their life. For instance, let's go to Daniel. Daniel chapter 1. You know, think about it. Eve had, while you're turning to Daniel, what happened with Eve in the Garden of Eden? The snake comes, the serpent comes, the enemy, and and says, oh, eat of this fruit. And, And she's like, no, we're not supposed to eat of the fruit. We're not supposed to touch of the fruit. And, and then he's like, oh, but you're lacking. You're lacking. God has wisdom that's greater. If you'll just eat this fruit, he's holding back from you. And so she goes ahead and eats the fruit. And she, she tastes, and then her eyes are open to good and evil. And so God was actually protecting her. But here's the problem. All she had was knowledge. I'm not supposed to eat of that tree. That's all she had. She didn't have understanding and she didn't apply wisdom so because she didn't have understanding she ended up finding herself in a in a position where now everything is is messed up they just allowed the the serpent the the enemy the devil to enter into the earthly realm and have dominion over the earthly realm because she lacked in understanding and applying wisdom in her life. So if we only have knowledge, we're lacking like a huge portion of what we truly need. If a person sets goals, many people set goals for, for the beginning of the year, right? New Year's resolutions, these are my goals this year. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lose 45 pounds. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go on, you know, uh, X vacation. I'm going to save this much money. And, and what happens is many times... They're, they're setting this goal, 
I'm going to lose 45 pounds. And they put this up on their, their vision board or they, they write it down. This is my goal. But it's not enough to just write, I'm going to lose 45 pounds, right? What's lacking? How are you going to get there? That's right. How's that going to happen? Oh, I don't know. I'm just going to, I'm just going to lose it. I'm going to go to the gym uh, more than I did last year. That's not enough. There's lacking some details, and it's the details that happen in the understanding. So it's not enough just to have the knowledge. The understanding is I've got to, I've got to meditate. I've got to think on this. I've got to apply some understanding and some details. That means, okay, I'm going to go to the gym three times uh, every week, and I'm going to work out for 30 minutes every day, and then that's going to help me reach this goal. I'm going to save so much money. Well, by doing that, then that means every week I've got to save X amount of dollars in order to get to this amount by such and such time. So there's got to be details in the understanding. Many people, they get all gung-ho at the beginning of the year because they put this thing up, but then they lack in the details. It's the details that are in the understanding which requires think time. It requires meditation, and that's where the enemy has a heyday because he's like, distraction, distraction, distraction. Oh, TV, oh, text, oh, got to make a phone call, oh, movie, whatever it is, it's like complete distraction. And in this day and age, it's so easy to get distracted, and that's all the enemy has to do to pull, pull you off of a goal to pull you out of something where something's not reached because the time has to be taken in meditation and in understanding. <coughs> Hallelujah. All right. Are you in Daniel? Okay. Daniel 1. We see these, these uh, four boys. You've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And it says, let's start at verse 3. It says, Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Young, <coughs> excuse me, I'm losing my voice a little bit. Young men in whom there were no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and the wine which he drank and three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. So the king pretty much wants them to go into training. And learn the way of the Chaldeans. Take them out of their, their uh, understanding from Israel, their knowledge, their statutes, and put them into a whole new kingdom. And we're going to teach you how you need to think now. We're going to teach you. Uh, we're even going to give you names, new names according to our country. And so it goes down through them. And it says in verse 8, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. 
And so they refuse. I'm not going to drink of the king's wine, and I'm not going to eat of the king's meat. Now, it goes a lot deeper than what it's just saying here. This meat and drink was probably offered to their gods. This was going against the Hebrew statutes and the law, which God had told Hebrews to do. He said, you don't drink or eat food that's been offered to other gods. And so Daniel, what he's doing is he's keeping a law, a precept of their uh, um, godly heritage and saying, we're not going to do this. And so the eunuch says, "Uh, you're going to have my head on a chopping block. Like, I could die if I don't make sure you guys are, are going through all of the traditions here. And they're like, we're not doing it. This goes against our custom. It goes against our beliefs. And it goes against the law of our God. And he says, in fact, test us. Test us for 10 days and see if we don't look better. And so they did. At the end of this time of testing, they bring him in front of him, and and they look better than all of the other men. Now, it's interesting because, because they honored that. Skip down to verse 17. Because they honored that. It says, as for these four young men, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom, and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Skip down to verse 20. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better. Say ten times How do you measure that? How do you measure wisdom? I don't know, but it says he found them 10 times better than all of the magicians and the astrologers who were in all of his realm. 10 times better. God actually anointed them and gave them more wisdom as they honored the wisdom that they had. What did they do? They followed a precept. They followed a law. They applied the word of God in their life. And when they did that, see, here's the thing. Many times people say, why I can't can't do that because the world's wanting me to do this. You know, the world looks like this. So I'm not going to honor, I'm not going to honor what God's word says because everybody does this. Everybody goes this way. Everybody follows this path. I'll look so strange if I don't follow the same path. Everybody gets involved in this and dabbles in that. But if you will honor the law of God in your life, then he will honor you, and you will grow in wisdom. In fact, the Bible says even even as Jesus was young, it says that he grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and with man. That was one of the first things noted about Jesus in his, in his early years. He grew in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. That means he was growing in his precepts of God. He was growing in his understanding. He was growing in, in what he needed to do in life. Like, this is the law that I follow. I don't follow what man says. I don't follow what, what you know, even the king says. I follow God's laws. Even when you think about the Hebrew um, midwives in, in Egypt, whenever uh, the king, the pharaoh, was trying to destroy all the babies, all the baby boys. And so he brings these 
these midwives, these Hebrew midwives before him. And he says, listen, we're getting rid of any baby boys born in, in Hebrew. So that's what I want you to do. When you guys see a, a Hebrew baby boy that's born, I want you to kill him. And did they do it? No, they didn't because they were not going to dishonor God, even though the highest man in the land, Pharaoh, said to. They could have themselves been facing death, but they honored the word of God instead. And they, they said, and when the king brought him back and said, okay, are we, are we being successful here? Like, what's going on? Why are there still Hebrew babies? Why are there still Hebrew boys? And they said, well, they just birth these babies much more quickly than, than the Egyptian uh, wives do. And they're already born by the time we get there. So they know, they know that, that they're already alive. So we can't take them and kill them then. They honored God. And then God honored them. And it said that they multiplied. That he multiplied the midwives with their own families. When we honor God, does it take a stance? Yes, it does. Does it take reading the word of God to know? Yes, it does. Because those are the principles and the things in life that give us the keys to wisdom. It gives us the keys to understanding. It gives us the keys to overcome. And many times people don't honor wisdom. They don't honor wisdom. I want you to flip over to Proverbs just because my voice is giving out a little bit, I'm going to have to probably cut things short a little bit. But I want to give you a few, um, a few examples. <coughs> Turn to Proverbs 13. Proverbs has so much wisdom, so many principles. How do I find the principles in my life? Well, a few weeks back, we went through, and, and I said, you can find the promises of God in Scripture. You can find the principles of God in Scripture by what he did for other people. When did he honor others? When did, when did it make God happy? Even when you're reading stories, there might not be an exact do this and you'll get this, but by reading the story, just like the midwives that I told you about, you can see from that, that that we don't just honor kings every time. We honor kings when their laws are within the laws of God. But if they go outside the law of God, then we honor God's law. So when we read those, we can find the principle behind it by reading the story, reading what's going on. Proverbs is packed with wisdom. Why? Because it was written by the wisest man that lived, which is Solomon. And he wrote so many of the Proverbs down. So I want to just give you a, a few just to show you like how easy it is to get Proverbs or get wisdom in your life. Proverbs 13.20. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. The companion of fools will be destroyed. Who do you hang out with? Who do you surround yourself with? Are they people of wisdom? Are they people that honor the wisdom of God? Or are they people that disregard God's laws? Are they people that yeah, I know, I know God's laws. I know that, but I'm going to do this. Yeah, I know what it says, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. God understands. 
It says, when we walk with the wise, we become wise. Why? Because we're gleaning from what other people know. We're gleaning from the wisdom. Go to chapter 17. Verses 27 and 28. It says, he who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of, a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Even a fool is counted wise when he holds his peace. When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. And if you go down to 18.2, it says, a fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. That means one of the, the keys of wisdom is not just blabbing all the time. Not just talk, 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 talk. I, I want to be heard. I want everybody to hear what I have to say because I'm so knowledgeable and I have all these things. I have all these opinions that I think everybody else should listen to. So why don't you all listen to me for a little while? And it says, even a fool can be seen as wise if they shut up. <laughs> because guess what? If you, if you stay quiet in a situation, then you're not letting all the junk come out. Because it only takes about 10 uh, seconds to 30 seconds of hearing someone talk to know whether or not, like, how wise they are. You know, there are some people, I remember one time uh, I was selling something on Facebook Marketplace, and, and this older gentleman was buying something. And so I met him at Hardee's, and, and he starts talking foolishness, foolishness. And the guy was a pastor. He was a pastor. And he starts running his mouth about looking at women and, and like, lusting after young girls. And I'm like, you need a devil cast out of you. And, and I'm like, this guy is an idiot. He's just running his mouth, letting all this stuff flow, and you could, you could put him on the, the unwise you know, meter real quick <laughs> just because of what was coming out of his mouth. But it says even a fool can be looked at as wise if they shut up. If he would have just said, okay, thank you, let me have, or you know, exchange everything, and thank you, you have a good day, I wouldn't have known any different. But there's a key right there, is if we will be quiet and we listen to those who are wise, then we can become wise ourselves, rather than wanting everybody to know our thoughts and our opinions, and not just being so uh, free to just throw everything out there. That's, that's something that I had to learn. Like, you know what, Miranda, just shut up and listen. Shut up and listen to somebody that's smarter than you. And, and let them pour into you instead of you thinking that you have to give your two cents about something. That's a key of wisdom. It's a key of wisdom. Let's go to another one. Proverbs. Uh, let me see here. 23. Proverbs 23. Verse 13 and 14. It says, Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from hell. 
Now, obviously, this is not beating as in abuse, okay? This is correcting a child, giving, giving them some smacks on their, on their behind to let them know, like, no, we don't do that. Why? Because when they're 30 and they've never been corrected, then guess what? They're not going to respect authority and they're not going to learn self-control and self-discipline. So God's showing us here an element of, of raising children. Everything in life is in the word of God. But we must take a hold of the, the wisdom of God if we want to see the benefits of these things. Even years ago, Pastor Brad and I decided, you know what, we're going to apply what God's word says about finances instead of what the world says about finances. Well, you know, you're always going to be in debt. You're always going to have money issues. You're you're always going to this. You're always going to that. And, you know, we started looking at what God's word says about finances. And that's why we uh, impart tithing messages almost every Sunday. It's because we're trying to give you the keys of wisdom, not because we are so in need of, of uh, finances in this church. It's because we want you to unlock things for your own home and for your own family. It's not because of the need here. It's because we want to see you successful and grow in advance because we have gained a, a, an understanding, an element of that ourselves. So we want you to have that same thing. That's why we preach about healing. It's why we preach about everything that we preach about, even with children and families and marriages. That's why we have like the Valentine's banquet. Why? Because we want to impart the wisdom of God into your life so that you are equipped. I think I said it Wednesday whenever I said, you know, I, it's not my desire to just have a church body that's depending upon the pastor for everything. It's my desire to equip you with an arsenal that knows how to blow the head off the devil yourself so that you have the equipment, you have the know-how, so that if anything comes your way, then you know how to deal with it. Why? Because you gained the keys of wisdom, and you gain the understanding, and then you put it into practice, wisdom, application, not just the knowledge. It's like when I talk about bobblehead Christians, you know, the bobbleheads that you set in the, in the, the car dash, you know what I'm talking about? Okay, talk to me a little bit here, guys. Okay. And they, they sit there and do this. You know, I call them bobblehead Christians because they get all this information and all this knowledge, and their head gets so big, full of knowledge, you know, but they haven't done anything to apply it in life. They're not doing it. They just get really smart in it, and they, have, they can spit out all kinds of scriptures, and they can sit there and argue about how much they know, but how much are they applying? You can see it in their life. How, how successful are they? What do their children look like? What does their marriage look like? What does their home life, their, their uh, finances, what does it all look like? Because it's all going to be dependent on how much of the, of the knowledge that they have has been understood and then applied. So this morning is a little bit of an introduction to where we're going because I want you to, in, in the next couple of weeks, I want you to know how do I gain wisdom in my life? How do I, how do I know what the benefits are? Because these are not just laws 
A lot of people think, well, you know, I just think the word of God is just a bunch of rules. It's just a bunch of rules. Like, I can't do this. I can't do that. That's not why he's given it to you. His desire for you is to walk in blessing. Read Deuteronomy 28. If you do all of these things, the blessing of God will chase you down. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll be above and not believe. beneath. You will not lack. Your bread bowl, will, you'll, you're not going to lack. You're not going to have holes in your basket where you're leaking everything out. You're going to walk with abundance. Even when the enemy comes at you in one direction, he'll scatter from you in seven. It's because there's a benefit attached, not because he's trying to just lock you into this tight lifestyle of do's and don'ts. He says, I want you to experience my blessing. I I want you to experience my goodness. I want you to experience the greatness of God in your life, in your children, in your children's life, your descendants. I want you to walk in the goodness of the land. I want you to eat of the milk and the honey. I want you to have the abundance of life. For Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, not to keep things from you. But he says, you've got to follow the precepts and the concepts of God. And when you do, I will honor you and you will be lifted up, not because you're lifting yourself up, but because God promotes you and he elevates you because you have applied my wisdom and I want to make you a light to this generation so others can be drawn to it and you can teach others the same thing. Amen. Hallelujah. Minister Liao, can you come to the keyboard, please? Here in a little bit, we're going to be uh, taking communion. Which is another key to God's wisdom. It's a supernatural key. It's a, one of what I call the mysteries of God. Because it doesn't make any sense. It's not just bread and juice. Oh, we just we eat this cracker and we drink, we drink some grape juice. And yeah, it's just a symbol of, of what we... It's not just a symbol. There's power in it. And many times people take communion thinking that it's just a symbol and then they never receive the benefits. But when you understand, when you learn and grow in the knowledge of communion and then you understand what it's to do, then you can apply it in your life with wisdom and get the benefits of it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Hallelujah. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet? Let's bow our heads this morning because before we go into communion service, we have an open communion service that just means it doesn't matter uh, what denomination, as long as, as you recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because the Bible does say that if you don't recognize Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then communion is actually drinking judgment upon yourself. So I do specify that. Because the Bible does talk about many have gotten sick because they've taken communion in an unworthy manner. 
So before we even go into communion, I want to make sure that everybody has received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. You're here today, obviously, because you believe in God. Most people don't come to church unless they at least believe in God, right? But it, it goes a step further than, than that. It's recognizing Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. What does that mean? The master of your life. That means you bow your knee to him and you say, Jesus, I believe in what you did for me. You went to the cross. You shed your blood. And that blood is what cleanses me. Again, it's a mystery. It's a mystery. We don't understand everything in the logic. But man, am I glad for his blood. Because without his blood, we can't be washed and cleansed of our sins. Everything that we do stands against God's principles and his laws. But if we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, then that blood that he shed gives us freedom and it covers us. And we say, Father, I choose to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. I choose to follow him. I choose to walk in his ways. And I choose to become a servant of you. And even as heads are bowed this morning, I want to ask you, do you know that for sure? Do you know that you've asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life? And if there has not been a time that you know that you've done that, then I want to take the opportunity to be able to pray with you this morning. Or if there was a time when you said, yeah, I did that, but I, I ended up wandering my own way. I, I did my own thing, and I didn't stay, I didn't stay the course. If that's you, either one of those situations, then I'm just going to ask that you raise your hand this morning and let me pray with you today. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else say, I want to ask Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life today, that I know that I know that heaven is my home. Anybody else? Anyone else? Okay. Can I have those three and anybody else that chooses to come up? If you, if you want to come up with them, be bold, be courageous, come up. I want to say a prayer with you guys. Auntie, can I pray with you? Anyone else before we say this prayer? It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. This is the decision of your eternity. Praise God. All right, I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer this morning. And you can just repeat this after me. Say, so, dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus on the cross to save me, to set me free, to give me life. I acknowledge 
Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. I ask you to come into my heart. Make me clean. Wash me. Cleanse me. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. And with power. To overcome everything that has held me back before. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now let me pray for each one of you. Father, I thank you so much for each individual that's come up here this morning. I thank you for for Christine's parents. Lord, fill them. Fill them. This, This moment in time was not by mistake. It was not by mistake. This visit was not by mistake. It was for a purpose. And that purpose was for you. That purpose was for you. Father, everything in her body right now that does not line up with your word, I bind it now in Jesus' name.
as we prepare to take communion. You know, communion is is a wonderful thing. It can bring healing into our bodies. It can, it's a it's a statement. In fact, let me go ahead and read this. It says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that night. The Lord Jesus, on the same night when in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. You know, communion is a covenant. Many times when they would have covenants in the Old Testament, they would, they would have a, like a fellowship dinner. They would sit down and take this covenant over a, a, di- a meal or a dinner. And they would um, exchange this covenant. I'm going to give you this and you give me this. But the, th- the thing is, Christ did it all for us. It, it was a covenant that all we have to do is accept it. And he gave, he's the one that purchased everything. Everything that cost, he gave. He gave his life so that we could have life. It says that he left heaven where all the riches and all the glory and everything is so that we in his poverty might become rich. He left all things to lay his life down for us. So it's a covenant that we have. And it's an amazing thing. So even as we take this covenant today, as we take this in remembrance of what he did for us, we're so thankful because in this is life. It's not just juice. It's not just a a piece of bread, but there's life in communion. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have people to just come around and and, uh, Minister Mara is going to help. And she's going to get everything ready. But why don't this section just go ahead and, and come around and grab a, a cup and a, a piece of cracker. section go ahead and follow suit
Hebrews chapter 10, um, I'm going to read a few scriptures there. In verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, <clears throat> having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Man, that's powerful. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He, Christ, He is Christ, who promised is faithful. We serve a faithful God. I mean, you know, we... I. He is faithful. And I want you to have that picture in your heart today. That 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 is the God we He's a faithful God. No, no matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, He is faithful. And there may be times, you know, any even through, you know, we, we may not feel like we're even worthy enough or faithful enough in, in, in our own, you know, in our own being. But He he makes us faithful. He makes us holy. He makes us righteous. Because of what He's done for us. You know, I, that's what I love about salvation. It's a free gift. And it's like it's something you want the world to have. Is the free gift of salvation. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. I'm reminded that that's what we're, we're called to do as believers. To stir up love and good works among one another. That's why I love our church. That's why I, I, I'm excited about this year. To stir up love and good works. Isn't it great to be stirred up in the body of Christ? Stirred up in faith? To go beyond? As Dr. Morocco would have said, even out of his to, to go beyond, to go to to go to to go to another level. That that's what we're doing as a body. That that's what we're doing as a church. And I, when I take communion, I, I look at it as a time to examine my life, to come before God, and recognize who He is, what He's done for me. I'm thankful for my salvation. Anybody thankful for their salvation? I am truly thankful for my salvation. In verse 25, and I love this scripture because I hold, I hold very true to this, this scripture of why we meet and why we come together. And even through the last two years. Yeah, let me, let me finish reading it. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as it is the manner of some, but exhorting one another in so much, the more as you see the day approaching. Jesus Christ is coming back. Make, make no mistake, He is coming back. And there's a generation of people that, you know, I, I, I feel deeply convicted about now that haven't heard the gospel message. There's people in our communities that haven't heard the gospel message. We have a responsibility. This church has a responsibility to go, to go beyond. To go beyond at, at a greater level this year. But I love that. Not forsaking the, the meeting together. Two years ago when, uh, when COVID hit. 
Miranda and I talked for about five minutes and I said, I'm going to go pray. I spent 30 minutes in prayer and I said, you know what? God's called us into ministry. I won't back down. No matter, no matter, the, no matter, the, no matter what's coming. I, 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 God's called us. And I believe that's what He's doing in this hour. He's raising up a people and calling a people. Let's say, you know what? We're going to meet. We're going to come together and we're going to be strong together. And we're going to, we're going to, we're we're going to be there for one another. We've seen so many amazing things happen. I don't say that to be boastful. I don't say that to be cocky. It's, it's not, it's not about that. God's called the church. And as long as the church, as long as the church is here, it will prevail. We take communion today in in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. We come together to take communion and recognizing the the blood that was shed for us, the body that was was broken and and beaten for us. You know, to understand, He did that all for humanity. For people that don't even know Him, guess what? He did that for them as well in hopes that they would come to the understanding of who he is and what he's done. So today we're going to pray. I've asked Brother Jesse to to pray over um, to pray over the blood, and um, I'm going to pray over the bread. And you know, and just in your own heart today, as we go into a time of prayer, as we as we pray, I I, I want you to pray and give thanks, because see, our our Lord is He's worthy of our thanks. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go ahead and pray over the bread, and then I'll have. Brother Jesse, come up and pray over the cup. Jesus said, take eat. This is my body. We do this in remembrance of him. Father, right now, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. (laughs) I thank you, Lord, for 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 what was done on the cross. I thank you, Father, that, Lord, even as we, as we partake of this, this element today, Lord, we declare healing into our bodies today. Because, Lord, that's, what you, that, 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 that's why you took it. That's why you took stripes on your back. is so that we could walk in divine healing and walk in that divine authority that you've given each and every one of us. So, Father, today we take heat recognizing the body that was sacrificed for us. In Jesus' mighty name, you may eat. Thank you. Amen. In the Bible, it says that Jesus um, striked 39 times. By the time he got up to the cross, he would seem unrecognizable. They couldn't even know who he he was. But by his blood, we were healed. By his stripes, we were healed. Um, So just pray over the... Just remember when you drink the blood of the blood that what Jesus did for us. He, he took every stripe, every sickness, every disease, 
on himself so that we can be healed and redeemed in Christ. So dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father God, for your, your son's blood that was shed on the cross so that we can have, be redeemed, so that we can have new life, so that we can sit in the holy of holies with you, with you Father. So we thank you for your blood. We thank you, Father God, that, that by us drinking this, Father God, you're going to nourish our bodies, Father God. You're going to give us complete health and complete restoration, not only physically, Father God, but mentally, Lord, um, and through our spirit, Father God, that we are restored and healed, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 God is good. God is good. Thank you, Lord. Anybody thankful? Amen. Amen. Well, just raise your hands. I'm going to bless you. We'll be back here tonight at 6 o'clock. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us. I thank you, Lord, that in 2022, the best is yet to come. Father, I declare even today a release of your miracle working power over this congregation, over this church. Father, I thank you, Lord, for, for shedding your blood, making a way for each and every one of us. Lord, we would have been lost without you. Father, I pray, Lord, favor and blessing over your church and over your people. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Amen. Be blessed.